Um, this evening's scripture is from Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God, to, glor- to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we come into your presence tonight, and we are so thankful that you are a God like this. Um, Lord, as we unpack what you say here about yourself, would you change us? Would you change us with your love? Would you change the way that we see and think about glory and search for glory? And uh, would you just have your way? Would you, would you not leave us unchanged? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, we are continuing our study of the book of Philippians. Um, Paul wrote this letter to a a church, and a lot of times it's been called the the epistle or the letter of joy because he talks about joy so much. And so this series that we're doing as we study Philippians is, uh, you know, culture tells us, uh, many voices, our own voice tells us that we are going to find joy in just gaining more and more and more for ourselves, whatever that is, money, comfort, security, sex, notoriety, um, achievement. And Paul is joining with the voice of Jesus saying, no, no, no. Joy is found in losing. It's found in losing all of these things to gain something else. And so um, tonight we're talking about uh, what, what we all deal with uh, is just the, the pain of the, the joy of losing our own glory. Um, when I was thinking about this, I thought about like middle school and high school and how that's really a great picture. It's a less sophisticated picture, so it's funnier, but that's really a picture of my life and, and our lives is we're just constantly seeking glory. Like I remember in high school and middle school, like if you're at a pool party, I would just go into the bathroom and do a lot of push-ups first and then come out and try to look cool and like just how much time I spent looking in the mirror period during those years and how careful I was about the words that came out of my mouth and what I said and I really wanted it to sound cool. And, uh, and God is just lovingly coming to us and saying, hey, I actually just want to put before you that maybe you're still like that a lot more than you think you are. And, uh, and you think that you're going to find joy in gaining more glory for yourself through your job. That's why you're working yourself into the ground. Um, through your family, that's why you're putting a lot of pressure on your kids to, to be a certain way. Um, and just in every area of life. And so uh, last week, the first four verses of this chapter two in the letter Um, Paul is urging the Philippians, he's urging us to have the same mind, to be on the same page. We've been talking about this gospel, this idea of gospel partnership, that we're committed to this mission to get this word out, this good news. That's what the word gospel means, that God loves us through the work of Jesus, that God has sent Jesus to do everything necessary so that we could be reconciled to him, that he would take the punishment due our sins and our rebellion against God so he could reconcile us to God and we could have life with God forever. And so Paul is saying, hey, as you come together, and, and don't miss this, that like God has, has called you and I together. 
Like, this is not a place where we just all happen to enjoy coming and, and we all kind of just line up with the way all this flows and how this looks and everything. Like, God has called us into a community to now have a community identity, that we are being called together as a body to, to grow in him as individuals, but also as a collective identity as, as Midtown West. And he's saying, it's gonna be really necessary as you do this to have the same mind, the same heart, the same will, and that mind is the mind of Christ. And so in this passage, he unpacks what is the mind of Christ. Um, and he says in verse five, something really encouraging is that have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. So we have the capacity to live the way that Paul is calling us to live. And, uh, and so now he's gonna spend the rest of this passage unpacking what is the mind of Christ. And so I just wanna say in shorthand, um, the mind of Christ is grasping down. It's a life of grasping down. I'm gonna explain what that means, but um, you just see the first uh, verses six through eight here is just this downward staircase of, of the life of Jesus. It starts really high and lofty. Um, it says that Jesus was in the form of God. Uh, that word form means having God's nature internally and externally. It means that Jesus is fully God. Jesus, uh, it says, um, you know, baptized into new life in God. When Jesus uh, talks about the great commission at the end of uh, the book of Matthew, he says that you're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have a triune God. And so I just wanna pause there because we don't get a chance to talk about the Trinity a lot, but it's, it's so important um, to Christianity. It's, it's essential. And so it's this idea that there's one God uh, in three persons, and that's a, a mystery. We will never fully unpack exactly what that means, but uh, a couple pictures to help you think about it. It's like having, like if you had three sticks together and there's one flame on, on all those sticks together and then you pull those sticks apart and there's a flame on each of the sticks. It's kind of like that, or it's kind of like a, a, a root and a branch and a trunk of a tree. It's all the tree, but they're, they're different parts of the tree. Um, but this is essential, this, this mystery of the Trinity, uh, that Jesus is fully God, that the Holy Spirit is God, that God the Father is God, because God is love. And love always moves out toward another. And so if, if God is love, he has to be experiencing, he has to be moving out toward himself constantly to even know what love is, for love to even be a concept. And as we're gonna see in this passage, um, God has told us God is love and that is essential to his character and that's essential to what he's talking about here and what Jesus has done and is doing. Um, Jesus, because of this love, didn't consider being in the form of God something to be grasped. That word grasped uh, means to take or hold on to something with force, to fight tooth and nail, to grab something that you don't have yet or to hold on to something that you do have. And so in this case, um, He's, Paul is saying that Jesus is not fighting with force to hold on to what he has, um, being in the form of God, um, which is amazing to me because I think to be God, to be the nature of God is the very thing that I would hold on to. <laughs> like, I would be cool with giving up pretty much every other thing except for that. Uh, but the thing that is the most valuable thing, the, I mean, think about this. You and I cannot fathom something more valuable and more uh, worthy of being fought and grasped for uh, than, than to be in the form of God. And even that, it says that Jesus um, emptied himself. 
He let go of, of that. He divested himself of this position and this privilege. He emptied himself to the core. And he took the form of a servant. He took the form of a human. And so um, now he's this juxtaposition of this word take is very similar to the word grasp. And so what Paul's saying here is, hey, Jesus was not grasping up. He was grasping down. Instead of fighting to hold on to this high honor and this high glory and, and, and the majesty that is being God, um, he was actually looking the other way. He was grasping down. He was reaching down to take the form of a servant. And so now Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, fully God, is now also fully man. He now has the, the form, is the nature of humanity internally and externally. What that just means is that Jesus is now fully God and fully human at the same time, and he will be that forever. Like his, his nature, he is in the body of a human for the rest of eternity. He is now, because of his love for the Father and because of his love for us, is, is fully God and fully man, and it has changed, uh, it has changed him in this deep, deep way. And as it says, in this form, it doesn't stop here. This, the staircase keeps going down. In this form, now that the creator has become a creature as well, and now even in this form, he humbles himself. And, and this word humble, I mean, Jesus was humble. There's no doubt about that. Jesus is humble. Um, Jesus is love. God is love. He's, he's always moving toward another in love. He is always um, looking, as, as Paul says earlier in this, this chapter, he is always looking out for the interests of others. Uh, so, so Jesus certainly is humble, but, but that's not what this word means. Um, as he is obedient to the Father to death, uh, this word here is beyond humility. This word is humiliation. It's that it's to be totally disgraced. It's to be found in the lowest place. And it's not just obedience to death, which is amazing in and of itself, that Jesus trusted the Father so much that he would obey him to death without a second thought. But, but Paul makes the, the emphatic point of, no, no, this was even death on a cross. And like for, for some of us who may not be familiar, uh, this, is a, this is a big deal. The cross at the time was the most violent and shameful means of execution for criminals in the Roman world. This is a criminal's death. And so why is Jesus, why is God dying a criminal's death? Why did he have to do this? Um, he had to do this because I only know how to grasp up. I don't know how to grasp down, and, and neither do you, apart from him. All we know is looking out for number one. All I know is, is grasping up to gain what I don't have, no matter what it costs anyone else around me. 1 John 3, 5 says that Jesus appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. You and I are shot through with sin. Um, it, it is like sin in us is like black mold growing inside, in between the walls of an old house. It's just spreading and it's bringing death and disease to everyone who enter the house. Um, that, is, that is our condition. That's who we are apart from Christ. And, uh, and I count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
I live like that. I'm not God, but I, but I live like I should be equal with God. Um, I take it with force. I try to take it with force all the time. I try to demand glory all the time, and I'm not satisfied with anything unless I have more of it than you. That is our condition, is, is having something is not enough. It's that I need to have more than you because that's what's going on in my heart all the time is I, I'm counting equality with God a thing to be grasped. That's the human condition now. And I demand glory that I don't even deserve. I'm delusional. And so are you. That's, that's just, that's our, our plight. Um, apart from this Jesus coming to rescue us. I will never empty myself. Uh, not, not willingly. Uh, unless I think it's good for me. Unless it's, as Dave Burden says, a, a for you, for me. Um, I'll gladly pretend to empty myself and look like a good guy so that you'll think highly of me. Uh, but it's always a calculation um, to, to receive glory. Glory for being a good guy. Glory for being a nice guy. Glory for being a good person. Um, that's all I know how to do. That's all I know how to do is grasp up. And I won't empty myself, not even in the shallowest of ways. I'm too threatened. And, and why do I live like that? Why do you live like that? Why do we live like that? Because we were made for glory. You and I were made for glory. But we also have this just churning thing inside of us that won't rest, that we try to push down and quiet all the time. And it's always an active work of pushing it down. We know that we don't have the glory that we were made for. Because what happened is when we ran the other way, when we rebelled against God in our sin, um, we forfeited that glory. And so now we're trying in every other way possible apart from God to get glory for ourselves, to cover ourselves, to cover our shame. Um, that's, again, that's all we know how to do. And so now I'm stuck. And, and the problem uh, is always out there. The problem is never in here. Um, I, cannot, I cannot take ownership for my sin against another person. I'm always defending myself. I'm always passing blame. I, I, I don't know how to be honest about this. And, and so just stuck in this place. And so enter Jesus now. Um, Paul says in his letter to the Romans, Romans 3, 23 to 25, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a substitution by his blood to be received by faith. And so what Paul's saying there is, is you and I are in desperate need of a savior. And that's what, as we are watching just the, the spiraling down, what seems like no end of Jesus and his glory, the divesting of glory as he becomes a human, as he, as he suffers to death, as he suffers to death on a cross, um, God is saying, that's for you. That's for you because you're stuck in this place where you can't do this. You don't, you don't know how to get glory anymore. You're seeking glory in ways that are actually killing you. You're running from me when life and glory are found in me. And now we've been separated by this sin and, and you can't cross that bridge. There is no bridge. And so I'm making a bridge and I'm coming to you. And so that's, that's what we see here is this 
the savior that we have in Jesus. Um, Jesus knew this about himself. He knew that's why he was here. He says in Luke twenty two thirty seven, 37, uh, for I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he quotes a, an Old Testament prophecy that says, and he, meaning Jesus, uh, was numbered with the transgressors, meaning the criminals. That I've come here to, to be found, uh, to be identified as a criminal, even though I'm sinless. Um, that's why I have come. If you've ever seen the movie Green, The Green Mile, anybody ever seen that? Um, it's an amazing movie. It's, it's a story of an innocent man who's accused of, of heinous crimes uh, against these little girls in, uh, in this rural town in the South. And um, his name is uh, John Coffey. And, and so he is, he is wrongly convicted and, and the entirety of the movie is, is just his experience um, sitting on death row as an innocent man. And, and not only is he an innocent man, but he has this special gift, this special ability to um, take sickness and take death and take disease and wickedness and pain uh, away from people. And um, he, he sucks it into himself uh, to, his own, uh, to his own pain. And there's this, there's this beautiful scene in the movie where uh, there's, there's a man who's friends, he's a retired warden in this prison and he's friends with the guys that are still working and they, they've seen this happen, they've seen John Coffey do these healings and his wife is dying and there's nothing that the doctors can do about it. And so they, for the love of their friend, they smuggle this man off of death row so that he can go to this house and hopefully heal this woman. And he goes and, and she's laying in her, her deathbed and he, and he walks in there and he's this huge man, but he's so gentle and he leans over her and he gets right next to her face and she's starting to be scared. And he says, uh, you be still now, you be so quiet and so still. And he just leans in and he, and he puts his mouth on hers and just no one knows what's happening, but he's, he's sucking out all of the disease, all of the pain, all of the sickness uh, and brings her to total healing. And it almost undoes him, and then ultimately it, it does undo him, and he's, um, it's his death. It, it's taking all this pain um, is, is his death. And that's, that is a picture of Jesus. Um, Jesus is the greater John Coffey. Um, Jesus has come, and, and we, we are flailing around looking for glory. We are flailing around in our sin and our lostness and our anxiety because we are separated from God and we don't know what to do about it. So we're trying everything, but we don't run to God because we're afraid of him, because we think that he's gonna condemn us because we deserve condemnation. And then Jesus comes and Jesus says, be so still, be so still now. There's nothing that you can do to put yourself right. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself, but it's everything that I can do. And all there is for you to do is to be still and be quiet and let me take this from you. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, that, that is the story of the cross. It is Jesus taking every sin into himself, onto himself, experiencing the depths and the darkness of that uh, and, and seeing God justly punish and put his wrath, pour his wrath out on all of sin, all of our evil, all of our rebellion is now dealt with. And so um, it says in scripture that he is just and the justifier of the ungodly. And that means that God doesn't just forget that, that these awful things have happened. He punishes them. He is a God of justice, but he executes that justice on himself 
All of our sin is punished on Jesus so that we are free. You and I are now free in his death. And he says, just be still. I have done everything. I've done everything. You just believe. That's what Paul says in that Romans passage. God put him forward as a substitution by his blood to be received by faith. That means we don't have to do anything. We just have to confess that I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior to bring me back into relationship with God and that I believe that Jesus is that savior. And now that I believe that, I'm free because he has taken my sin. He's taken my sin into himself so that I never have to experience the depths of the darkness uh, that he has. This is our Jesus. He did not demand his rights. He did not demand the glory that was due him. But he, he willingly, in, in the self-forgetfulness of loving obedience to the Father, just walked to death without a second thought. Why? I mean, just stop, stop and think about that for a second. Why would he do that? How could he do that? And it's because he knows he knows the Father. He knows the love of God. He is secure in the love of the Father. And he trusts him even when he can't see, even when he's in pain. Um, it, it was not a painless journey for him. We see Jesus in the garden right before the cross, and he is on his knees begging God, is, if there is any other way, please, please. I'm so scared, and I'm so tired, and I'm so full of pain. And then he says, but not my will, but yours, because I trust you, because you are so good, because I know you so intimately that I don't have to grasp for glory. I can lay it down because I know that whatever you have for me is better. And so that is our Jesus. He's moving toward the Father in his time on this planet in, in human skin. He is moving toward the Father in loving obedience, and he is moving toward us in loving mercy. Enemies who don't want to have anything to do with him, he is moving toward us in love so that we could have life. And so, verse 9, God exalted him above everything. Um, Jesus knew and knows something that you and I don't know, is that glory is not something you and I can go get for ourselves. It is a gift that has to be given by God. Because this, this glory is only from God. God is the only one who, who knows glory. Everything else is a false glory that's gonna burn up one day and come to nothing. Any glory that is, that is accumulated or supposedly or thought to be accumulated apart from God is gonna burn up because all glory is gonna be with God the Father and God the Son. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And that will also give glory to the Father. Um, this is another beautiful picture we see of the Trinity. Uh, as a, a, a pastor, Howard Brown, once said, if you want a definition of the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Trinity, it's this, you the man, no, you the man, no, you the man. And it's just that forever. And that's a pretty good working definition because that's what's happening here is, is God is calling, God the Father is calling God the Son into this life of obedience, even through suffering, even through death, so that 
he can give him glory. Jesus was not glorifying Jesus. God the Father was glorifying Jesus, and Jesus knew that that's where glory comes from. And then in Jesus being glorified, God the Father is now glorified. And why? Because God the Father is glorified because when we see Jesus, when we see God with flesh on and he's living like this, he's divesting himself of all of his privilege so that we could have life, God the Father is saying, that's what I'm like. When you see Jesus, you see me, and that's why his life and death gives me glory is because now you get to see what is glory worthy. I'm the creator of everything. I know glory. (laughs) All glory belongs to me, and I'm telling you that glory is not what the evil one has made it and warped it into, uh, where we alienate and take advantage and use people and climb over people to get acclaim on our own. That is not glory. This is glory. Laying yourself down in love to bring life to the world is glory. That is glory worthy. And, and if we are looking for glory, um, we need to follow Jesus because he, he knows glory. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as individuals? What does it mean for us as Midtown West? Uh, it means a few things. One is... Um, Jesus is telling us, hey, the way up is down. The way to glory is to divest yourself of any glory that you, can, you think that you can accumulate for yourself and entrust yourself to the Father to give you glory. That's the only real glory. And so as you follow me in my suffering and death, you'll also follow me in my glory. Um, trust me that this is where life is. This is where glory is, is is knowing the love of the Father. That's why we, we care so much about growing in, in our communion with God because we have to know the love of God for any of this to make sense. And so the more I know God, the more I know his love, the more I'm able to, to empty my own glory because I don't need it anymore. Because I know him and I trust him and I love him and he's changing me. Um, and when we fail, when you and I find ourselves grasping up for glory still, we don't have to be afraid. We can, we can run to Jesus and confess that and say, Lord, I'm still living like this. Would you please just continue to transform me? And, and he is the one that has to do the transforming. It's not that we're gonna go out and try harder to lay glory down. We don't have the ability to do that. Only he can do that. And he says to us what John Coffey says, you just be so still. You just come and tell me where you are and let me do all the, all the heavy lifting, all the transforming work. I'm the one that's gonna change your heart. I'm the one that's gonna change your mind. I'm the one that's gonna give you eyes to see real glory. And when he does, um, that is gonna set us free. And that's gonna set us free from using all of our life to go searching for glory and grabbing it any way that we can find it so that now we can look up and pay attention to other people. And we can love people and bring the love of Christ to these other people and see them lay down their false glory and find love and freedom and life in Jesus. And that's what we were made for. And then this is, this is true of us now, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Everything else is gonna be light and momentary affliction. And it's this light and momentary affliction, all of our suffering, all of our laying our glory down and joining Jesus in this downward downward spiral, it's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Father, uh, thank you that this is true. Jesus, thank you for um, what you've done and, and 
Lord, please open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds. We are so small. Um, Our minds, our capacities are so small. Please do what we can't do and open our eyes to see you for who you are and be transformed by your love and your power. And ask that in Jesus' name, amen.